Amen. You got your Bibles with you this morning. Let's open them up to Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5, we're going to begin in verse 20. And this morning we're going to go through verse 26 together. Over the last several weeks we've been asking the question, how are we to live as Christians in an unchristian world? We started looking at the Sermon on the Mount to try to answer that question. We learned two weeks ago that if we're going to live as Christians in an unchristian world, we must be salt and light. We must display the gospel to those that we are around. Last week we talked about how important the words of God are if we're going to live as Christians. We must hold with great esteem the words of God. If we're going to survive this, it's going to be because we place all of our hope and assurance inside the word of God. Today we're going to look at verse 20 and go through verse 26 and we're going to learn if we if we're going to make it as Christians in an unchristian world it's going to be because we have an understanding of righteousness like Jesus has righteousness that comes from the inside out Jesus says a lot of difficult things in scripture if you go and read Jesus's words you'll come across what some have called tough sayings like for example Jesus when he's talking about authority he says the, the first shall be last. That makes no sense to us. When Jesus is talking about leadership, he says if you want to be the greatest, you've got to be the least among us. Jesus turns upside down this very idea of what it means to be in a position of authority, even his marching to the cross and his death there. He's turned upside down our understanding. Jesus does a very similar thing for us this morning. He shows us that we ought to be concerned about our righteousness from the inside out. Jesus is going to teach us that if we're going to survive as Christians in an unchristian world, it's going to be because we are concerned about our inward righteousness. Listen to what Jesus says beginning in verse 20. For I tell you, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and the Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. You have heard that it was said to those of old, you shall not murder, and whoever murders will be liable to judgment. But I say to you that everyone who is angry with his brother will be liable to judgment. Whoever insults his brother will be liable to the council, and whoever says you fool will be liable to the hell of fire. So if you are offering your gift at the altar and, and there you remember your brother has something against you, leave your gift there before the altar and go. First be reconciled to your brother and then come and offer your gift. Come to terms quickly with your accuser while you are going with him to court. Lest your accuser hand you over to the judge and the judge to the guard and you be put in prison. Truly I say to you, you will never get out until you have paid the last Penny. Let's pray together. God, we ask this morning that, Lord, you help us to see the truthfulness from this word today. God, that you remind us, Lord, that, Lord, as you desire righteousness, God, and as we see it displayed in the Pharisees, Lord, you so desire for our righteousness to be displayed inside our hearts. God, do you want us to be a people that are righteous from the inside out? God, if, if we're going to live, if we're going to make it in the the world that we're in, that everything seems to be crumbling around us, that difficulty and anger seems to be everywhere that we turn. God, it's going to be because we pursue your understanding of righteousness. So God, help us. Help us to see what your desire is for us as believers. And, and God, let us take this message today and, and apply it practically into our own lives. Let us examine our hearts for our righteousness. Let us 
examine our relationships, Lord. And, and God, let us come away from this this morning having been encouraged by, by the truthfulness of your word. So Lord, let your Holy Spirit work in and among your people this hour. We pray and ask this in the name of Jesus. Amen. I started with verse 20 because I think it's important to be reminded of what verse 20 says. Verse 20 says that, that our righteousness, those of us that are disciples of Christ, that our righteousness should exceed that of the Pharisees. It should be greater than, is what Jesus is saying, than even those Pharisees. You understand the righteousness of the Pharisee. And the righteousness of the Pharisee was a strict obedience to the law. It really wasn't even enough for the Pharisee to be obedient to the law as it's given to us inside of Scripture. The Pharisees had established even boundaries around the law. They had set up rules around the rules so to prevent them from falling victim to one of the rules. And even beyond that, they had written commentary, volumes and volumes of commentary to help describe the rules that were going to protect you from the law that God had given to us. The, the Pharisees and the scribes, they were an outwardly righteous people. They were outwardly righteous. You could not find them doing something that was against the law. And sometimes when we see the Pharisees and, and their outward righteousness, sometimes we, we like to give them a bad, a bad name, right? We, we like to talk about how they only sought outward righteousness. But I want you to consider for a moment, that's not all bad. Jesus certainly doesn't want us only to be outwardly righteous, but Jesus does have an expectation for his followers that they would be righteous. Not only that, we see in these Pharisees a respect for the word of God that goes over and beyond most of our own respect. A Pharisee would have said that the word of God was everlasting, unchangeable, and unshakable. The Pharisee would say that the words of God, those words from heaven, Obedience to those words from heaven will be the very thing that allows you entrance into heaven. You see, they held with great esteem the very words of God. They believed that our actions as followers of God, as God-fearers, ought to display the righteousness of our God. They believed that the, your walk should match your testimony. And we believe that as well. The problem with the Pharisees' outward righteousness was, was that it was only an outward righteousness. They only desired that you meet a code. They only, they only desired that you be obedient to the law. You see, the problem with the Pharisees and the scribes was their external law became the means of their salvation, which is not the gospel. The problem with the Pharisees and the scribe was along the way they had forsaken the God who had given them the law. They had turned their hearts away from the very God who had set up those initial rules. And Jesus knew this. As he talked about the Pharisees and the scribes, he knew that their heart was far from the actual God who had given them the law. So Jesus, in Matthew chapter 23, particularly as he gives the woes to the Pharisees, one of those woes that he gives is, is that they are like whitewashed tombs. He says the Pharisees are like whitewashed tombs, that they look beautiful on the outside, they look clean on the outside, but in the inside, the Pharisees were filled with death and decay. It'd be kind of like Jesus, if he were in our modern time, saying that, that the Pharisees were like a casket, that the casket was beautiful from the outside, but we all know that what's contained inside the casket is death and decay and rottenness. You see, Jesus looks to the 
outward righteousness of these Pharisees and scribes. And while we might want to compliment their strict obedience to the words of God, we recognize that they were missing something. There was something greater than just a strict obedience to the law. And Jesus is telling these disciples that your righteousness must exceed the righteousness of the Pharisees. And what Jesus is telling us, and what we're going to see beginning in verse 21, is that our righteousness exceeds the righteousness of the Pharisees because it comes from within our own hearts. You see, our our righteousness begins within us. It's inward first. It's inside out. And so Jesus says the disciple ought to desire an inward righteousness. Look, look at what he says in verse 22. Let's start in 21. You have heard that it was said that those of old you shall not murder and whoever murders will be liable to judgment. But I say to you that everyone who is angry with his brother will be liable to judgment. Whoever insults his brother will be liable to counsel. Whoever says you fool will be liable to the hell of fire. You hear what Jesus is saying? You've heard that it was said that obedience to the sixth commandment was that you should not take another person's life. You should avoid murder. And that was keeping the commandment. But Jesus comes and says, but I'm going to tell you that it's not only murder, it's also hatred. It's anger. It's harsh words. It's ridiculing one another. You see, Jesus is saying that it's not enough to just be outwardly righteous in the sense that you don't commit murder or take another person's life. Jesus is saying it is important that inwardly you also are found righteous. You understand that if someone were to commit murder that, and they were, they were found out to have committed murder, they would be taken and that, that outward sin would be tried before a court and, and we would determine whether or not they were innocent or guilty, right? That's what we do in America. We determine whether or not you committed the murder or not and then if you are guilty of it. But see, those type of things, that outwardly righteousness or outwardly unrighteousness is easily seen. What Jesus is saying is that it's the inner righteousness that we ought to be concerned about. He's saying it's those things that a court can't measure. A court can't measure the anger in your heart. A court can't measure the insults of your mind. A court can't measure the harshness towards one another. So Jesus is saying, you have heard that you must outwardly obey the commandment, do not murder, but I am telling you too that you must inwardly consider the minds and the thought and the righteousness that is within you. You see, we look at these things that Jesus has given us. Everyone who is angry with his brother will be liable to judgment, it says. Whoever insults his brother will be liable to counsel. Whoever says you fool will be liable to the hell of fire. As you consider those things, think about them. There's anger here, insults, and then calling someone a name such as a fool. As we consider these things, murder being of the first tier, a little bit less than murder is anger. Maybe a little bit less than anger is insults, and, and maybe a little bit less than insults is calling names. But as we rank these sins that Jesus gives us in descending order, Jesus ranks the prosecution of it in ascending order. Listen to what he says. If you have anger, you will face judgment. 
If you're insulting, you will face the council or the Sanhedrin. If you call someone a name like a fool, you will burn in hell. Do you see the ascending order of Jesus' proclamation concerning the descending order of our actions in our heart? You see, Jesus does this calling something as simple as calling someone a name like a fool, the, the repercussions of that being hell itself because he wants us to understand the gravity of what's going on inside of our hearts. You see, guys, it is important that the outward reflection of our lives be seen as righteous before the people of this world. But it is just as important for us that the insides of our heart be seen as righteous before our God. It is the insides that Jesus is pointing his disciples to. You have heard it said you need to be outwardly righteous, but I'm telling you, you need to be inwardly righteous. And as a result of your inward righteousness, it will call for an outward righteousness, particularly here, the outward righteousness that it's calling for, it's calling for reconciliation. God is calling us to reconcile with our brothers and sisters in Christ. We, we might think as we begin to rank sins in our minds that this makes no sense. Are you telling me, Jesus, that, that ridiculing someone, are you telling me, Jesus, that calling someone a fool, or, are you telling me, Jesus, that having anger towards a brother in my heart is as sinful as murder? Again, I told you, this is one of those hard sayings of Jesus. I don't think there's any way that we can get around the fact that that is exactly what Jesus is telling us. See, Jesus is telling us, as Danny Aiken puts it, that, he, that Jesus is concerned with murderous acts and he's concerned with murderous attitudes. And he knows that both of these, murderous acts and murderous attitudes, ultimately is a test of the heart. That God is not merely concerned about our external acts. He is concerned about the condition of our hearts, which is the source of those actions. You see, I told you Jesus is turning us inside out. He's telling us that what is of first priority is what is in our heart, and from what is in our heart, we will see the outward righteousness. We have to begin with the inside and then work towards the outside. We have to begin within us to make sure that our righteousness and our holiness equals that of Jesus to the best of our abilities and then the outward righteousness will come only natural for those that are seeking Christ. He gives us an example when he talks about reconciliation. So he says, I'm turning you inside out. Your inward righteousness is important. Secondly is your outside righteousness. And he calls us to what I'm going to admit to you is a very difficult thing. He calls us to reconciliation. Look at verse 23. If you're offering your gift at the altar and there you remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there before the altar and go. First, be reconciled to your brother and then come and offer your gift. Come to terms quickly with your accuser while you are going with him to court. Lest your accuser hand you over to the judge and the judge to the guard and you be put in prison. Truly I say to you, you will never get out until you've paid the last penny. You hear what Jesus is saying? He's given us two illustrations 
Two illustrations, one that deals with your brother and one that deals with an accuser. I would say one that deals with someone inside the body of Christ and one that deals with someone outside the body of Christ. But both of these illustrations, the brother and the accuser, they have one point. And it's that external reconciliation comes from a call of internal holiness. Let me say that again. External reconciliation comes from the call to internal holiness. As we move closer to Jesus, we will desire to be more like Jesus. Jesus came to the earth for one reason and one reason only. Jesus' life was lived for one reason. Jesus' ministry was practiced for one reason. He was placed upon that cruel cross for one reason. His resurrection signals us to one, one reason, and that is to reconcile sinful men to God. That's why Jesus came. He came to reconcile men to God. And as Jesus is calling these disciples to this inner this inner righteousness, he's calling us to become more like himself. And as we become more like Jesus, as we become more righteous, as we become more holy, as we become more Christ-like, we will desire the same things that Jesus desires, namely reconciliation. You see, as we grow closer to Jesus, we will want to be like Jesus, which will include the reconciling relationships with our brothers, our sisters, and also the world itself. External reconciliation comes from the call of internal holiness. And Jesus is calling his disciples to be concerned about the inside out, to be concerned about their inside first. So he tells them, if your brother has something against you, do you hear that? Verse 23. If your brother has something against you, leave your gift there before the altar and go. This is how significant this is for Jesus, that our insides be seen out. It's so significant that he says, don't even worship before you reconcile yourself with your brother if you have offended him. Don't even worship before you worship, don't even worship before you go and meet your brother and, and offer your sacrifice after you've reconciled yourself. Now I know what happens when we read passages of scripture like this is, is that all kind of things begin to go through our minds, like questions like, well, who am I supposed to reconcile with? Who, who is Jesus telling me that, that it is required for me to re make reconciliation with? These are some of the biggest questions that we have. We all understand that because of the work of Jesus Christ, that that reconciliation between man and God was made pretty easy. It's just faith in Jesus. It's just believing in Christ, that he came and saved to save us from our sins. That's pretty simple. But reconciling relationships between other people that gets a little bit more difficult. Reconciling relationships with brothers and sisters and even with people in the world, that, that begins to get a little bit messier. And for most of us, we don't even know where that begins, much less who we are to reconcile with. 
I found something I think is important for us to, to, to read. And it's observations that are offered to us by, by John Piper about those people that we ought to enter into reconciliation relationships with. John Piper says, We are only responsible for what others hold against us when it's owing to a real sin or a blundering on our part. So this is just what Jesus is saying here. If your brother has something against you, right? He's saying if you have done something, if you have sinned against your brother in Christ, then you need to go make reconciliation. As a result of becoming more like Christ, you ought to desire to reconcile your relationship with your brothers and sisters. But John Piper goes on to say, we are responsible to pursue reconciliation, but live with the pain if it doesn't succeed. In other words, we are not responsible to make reconciliation happen. I'm reminded of Romans chapter 12, verse 18. It says, If possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. You see, Jesus is saying that what's most important is our inside righteousness, our inner righteousness. We will most naturally turn that outside, which will then be seen in relationships being reconciled to one another. And so as far as it depends on us, if we have sinned against a brother, it is our responsibility to go make those things right. If you have sinned against a brother or sister in Christ, you have to go make those things right if you want to be inwardly righteous as Jesus is inwardly righteous. Jesus is in essence saying, it's absolute hypocrisy to say that you are good with God and not be good with brothers and sisters in Christ. It's hypocrisy to say that we are good in our vertical relationship with God if our horizontal relationships with brothers and sisters in Christ are not reconciled to one another. The outward righteousness of an inward holiness can be seen in human reconciliation. And so as far as it depends upon us, church... As far as it depends upon us, we ought to desire to live peaceably with everyone. That may call us to be reconciled to another. Jesus turned the picture of authority upside down. To be an authority, to be great, you should be less. To be first, you should be last. Jesus turns righteousness here for us inside out what's most important is what is inside and what is inside would naturally be pressed towards outside righteousness particularly here he's talking about reconciliation with our brother a couple ways we might apply this into our lives a couple questions that you might ask for application this morning first of all does our inner righteousness match our outward righteousness Evaluate your inner righteousness. Are you more concerned with what's being seen by others or what's being seen by Jesus? He says, the people of God, we've got to be more concerned with what's being seen by Jesus than what's being seen by others. And as a natural reaction, the other will take care of itself. Evaluate your inner righteousness. Secondly, I want you to ask yourself, with whom should I seek outward reconciliation? With whom should I seek outward reconciliation? Who have you sinned against? Who have you been angry with? 
Who have you insulted? Who have you called fool? With whom do you need to reconcile? A question that all of us should consider because if possible, as far as it depends on us, we ought to live peaceably with one another. God, would you help us? Lord, we see these Pharisees and these scribes, God, and Lord, they are living a righteous life. They are being obedient to all of the scriptures. And Lord, we fall mighty short from the expectation, God, that those Pharisees have on themselves. And yet, God, what, you, what you're teaching us is that they're going the wrong direction. They're trying to do outward works to bring about inner righteousness, and it doesn't work that way. But God, inner righteousness will most naturally point to outward righteousness, particularly here, reconciliation. Help us, God, to get it in the right direction. Help us to get it in the right direction to so desire to be righteous on our insides so that it is seen on our outsides, particularly God lead us to bring about reconciliation in those relationships that need to be reconciled. God, if any of us in this room, if we sinned against a brother or sister in Christ, would you bring reconciliation? If we sinned against someone, would you help us to have the courage to reconcile with them? Now, these are tough things, tough sayings, God. But we know, Lord, as you have reconciled yourself to the world, so you desire for us to reconcile ourselves to others. Help us, God. Let your Holy Spirit convict us. As we stand and we worship together in this final song, in the name of Jesus we pray, amen.